Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Big week here for the CBS Sports crew. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today. We're talking rankings, the top 30 players, and we also have sleepers, breakouts, and busts coming up later this week. But it's all available on the website now. we got great content for you at cbsports.com slash fantasy as uh, you know, the product is out this week, and we're really, really excited. Make sure you're watching CBS Sports HQ this week as well. I'm Adam Azer. We got Dave, Jamie, and Heath here. Heath is back from vacation. His guns are exposed for YouTube. Looking fit over there, Heath. Welcome back. It's funny because like I had been working out a little bit before I went on vacation. I the only workout I did on vacation was 12 ounce curls. And that must have been good for my arms because you've noticed now and you didn't notice before. Well, I don't know. Just it's a very revealing shirt you've got. And we're on video. You go to youtube.com slash fantasy football today and you can start watching us. What's up, Dave? Hey dude, how are you? Great. Jamie, what's up? How you doing, bud? Does your shirt say go away? Yeah, it's an Oscar the Grouch shirt. Oh, all right. Well, uh, that's very wel- very okay. welcoming for our YouTube audience. All right, this so for you. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do it. It could be a longer show today. We're going to talk about 30 players. The case for, the case against, and a little bit of discussion. Let's knock out some news and notes real quick. Sony Michelle recovering from foot surgery in May. He had the ninth most carries in the NFL that last year. Didn't have a very good year. Tennessee working toward a long-term deal with Derrick Henry, and Antonio Brown is not going to go to jail, so that's good for him. He wants to get back into the NFL. Let's d- briefly talk about the Sony Michelle thing here, and uh, well, Heath, well, you're, well, we're, we're welcoming you back, so you get the first word on the Patriots' backfield. Yeah, I think right before I left for vacation, I decided, man, Sony Michelle's probably being drafted too late. The Patriots are behaving like a team that wants to play good defense and run the ball about 100 times a game, and their quarterback room suggests that's probably what they should do. I I thought Michelle was undervalued in terms of ADP. Now it's probably appropriately valued. There's some risk there. May want to uh, fire back up the uh, Damian Harris as a 13th round pick talk. Okay. Would you guys take a flyer on Darrington Evans or Damian Harris? Evans. Evan. Evans. The problem with Harris is like Tony Michelle could miss half the season and it could just be Rex Burkhead and Brandon Bolden and James White. Like we right. don't even know for sure that a, a Tony Michelle injury is good is great for Damian Harris. It's true. It's a good schedule though to start the year for the Patriots on the ground. They've got Miami. Yeah, but a terrible right? offense though. And then uh and then Vegas. Okay, well, without any further ado, Let's promote things, and then without any further ado, we'll get into the rankings. But um, So, yeah, we have a mock draft tomorrow on Twitch. If you haven't been following us on Twitch, you're missing out. Twitch.com slash FFToday. Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern. The entire CBS Fantasy crew is going to be mocking. Twitch.com slash FFToday. Sleepers on the podcast. Sleepers are on Tuesday. Breakouts are on Wednesday. Busts are on Friday this week. And uh, let's rock and roll here. Number 30, this is PPR consensus rankings. So we're averaging out the rankings for our analysts here. Um, The number three running back in non-PPR, the number two running back in PPR last year was Aaron Jones. He is 30th in our consensus ranking. He tied with Christian McCaffrey for 19 touchdowns, total touchdowns, to lead the position. Um, 
yeah, he uh, he had a great year, certainly. And he's number 30. Dave, give me the case for Aaron Jones. Heath, the case against. Jamie, you'll jump in with some discussion. Well, he scored 19 touchdowns in 16 games in 2016. That's a pretty good start. Packers offense is, is a good one. Offensive line is good. Uh, some say they've improved it after uh, getting rid of Bulaga right tackle. He's not going to be the only running back in that backfield, but he's going to be the best one. He is a capable pass catcher. It remains to be seen if he can be a good volume receiver when Devontae Adams is on the field with him. And speaking of Devontae Adams, he's really the only receiver that Green Bay has. Who's their number two guy? It could be Alan Lazard. Jay Sternberger might step up. But Aaron Jones might be asked to shoulder plenty of work. He's in a contract here. Maybe he balls out one more time, gets that touchdown per game average uh, high. One per game has been pretty good for him over his last – however many games that he's been on fire and in that role for the Green Bay Packers. So I understand why people want to draft him, and I understand why he's in our top 30 here in our consensus rankings. Heath? Yeah, weird thing, me being against, because I think I'm the high guy on Jones. But listen, he's going to lose at least a third of his touchdowns from last year. He could lose even more. The back they added, A.J. Dillon, profiles as a short yardage guy. Jamal Williams was used a lot in the passing game. Jones didn't see very many targets except for the games that Devontae Adams missed. So there's regression coming, probably in both workload and efficiency. I guess that's the case against him. (laughs) Jamie, where do you stand? Uh, I'm not going to have a lot of stock in Aaron Jones. I think just, you know, the addition of A.J. Dillon, the fact that the touchdowns will come down, the majority of his receiving production came when Devontae Adams was out. So, to me, it's just it's it's too costly for what I think the problems could be for him. Who is going to have a lot of Aaron Jones? Real quick, follow me. Well, me if he's available in the third round. I think he's okay as a third round pick. It might be a little bit more to Like I'm 29th in my PPR rankings. I think he's okay there. Um, but the addition of Dylan kind of says a bunch of things, right? Because this is a big physical back who's like Derrick Henry and could literally step into the role of short yardage goal line touchdown vulture. And that would crush Aaron Jones. All right. Well, he's had 11 games in his career with 15 or more carries in every game, all 11. He scored 14 or more non PPR fantasy points. That's just tremendous. He's a stud when he gets the work. Number 29 is Mike Evans. He was the number eight wide receiver in non PPR number 14 in PPR. But, you know, he only played 13 games, had a really, really good season. Um, Jamie, make the case for Mike Evans, who we're seeing uh, kind of creep in our drafts anyway. Sometimes he creeps toward the back end of round three, and he's 29th in the consensus rankings. I think the fact that he's going to have probably some better quarterback play, may not be better downfield throws, but better quarterback play just in general. They'll have the ball a little bit more because of the lack of turnovers from Jameis Winston. Um you know, if they're going to stay in 12 personnel and going to have just him and Chris Godwin as the as the two receivers on the field, I think it's going to significantly help his target share. And I think, you know, you, you, the value to me is the best part about Mike Evans. The fact that you can get him in round three um, for a guy that has the ability to be double digits in scores, uh, as he's proven to be. Um, he could still be, you know, I think in the 90 catch range. Uh, has 1,500 yard potential, you know, just based on what this offense for Bruce Arians can can put out there. So uh, he's he's a he's a very good value pick. You know, the, the problem will be is as we've seen from him, if he doesn't get you to 10 plus touchdowns, then that's where he tends to let you down. 
Dave against Mike Evans. Well, it's hard to be against him because his production's been so good. He's had over a thousand yards every year of his career. And over his career, he's averaged 9.28 targets per game. He's failed to get nine targets per game just twice. So he's gotten a lot of volume. But I went back and looked at Tom Brady's entire history of throwing to outside wide receivers. And of the 14 times, there have been 14 times that a receiver has averaged nine targets per game from Tom Brady. Only once has that receiver been an outside type of receiver. And it was Randy Moss in 2007 when he set the world on fire with 23 million touchdowns. I, I'm concerned about Mike Evans. I'm, I'm worried that he's just not the type of – he lines up in the spot that typically doesn't get a lot of work from Tom Brady and, and certainly doesn't attack the middle of the field as much as everybody else in the Buccaneers offense will. I think adding Gronkowski is going to cost him in the red zone. If O.J. Howard keeps playing, he's going to cost him in the red zone. And Godwin's going to continue to take work away from him in the red zone. So I, I don't think it, it's a – I think he can get over 1,000 yards again. That would be seven in a row. But I don't think he's getting near eight touchdowns. Really? I think, okay. though, the one thing about the offense, though, Dave, it's that, that's not really a Brady thing. That's an offense. That's a Patriots offense thing. Yeah, well, who's the a quarterback personnel thing? offense? Yeah, I'm, yeah but it, the point yeah. would be is that's the offense the Patriots ran. That's the personnel that they tried to give Tom Brady. Well, yeah. Randy Moss played for them for several years, and he only one time got the huge numbers that you know come with getting that type of target. I, don't know. I mean, I, I think if Tom Brady had Mike Evans for seven years, he'd probably put up good numbers. That's the question. We, you know, that's is it a tendency thing or is it a personnel thing? Um, you know, you look I, at Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks had a good year; he didn't have a Mike Evans year with that. Right. With, uh, Brady. Well, he had a Mike Evans every other year. <laughs> Yeah, but, um, but he didn't get. We, but he didn't get like 150 targets. He had like 120 ish. Right. I I think like, and that's the problem for me is they threw 630 passes last year. I would, they may lose 10 percent of that just because they're not chasing the score and just because Tom Brady's not throwing interceptions. I would expect more run rush attempts, fewer pass attempts for Tampa Bay this year. And they added Rob Gronkowski, who's the combination of Gronk and OJ Howard will probably increase their tight end target share. This is not a guy who's really consistently put up more than 75 catches. I think he's done it twice in his career. So he's going to be a little bit behind in terms of that. I I don't think like I think Brady can throw the ball downfield just fine. Mm-hmm. I just don't think if they are a good team like we expect them to be, he's going to spend a lot, very many plays dropping back and holding on to the ball for four seconds and taking a chance of somebody hitting him. And Evans doesn't do a lot around the line of scrimmage. All right, let's lump these next three wide receivers together. 28, 27, and 26 in the consensus PPR rankings are Tyler Lockett, who was 13th in PPR last year, but he was a top three wide receiver, I believe, before he uh, hurt right. his leg in week 10, I want to say. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, obviously coming off a terrible year, but great in 2018. His fantasy point total in 2018 would have made him the number two wide receiver in 2019. Uh, and Adam Thielen is 26. So it's Tyler Lockett, Juju Smith-Schuster, Adam Thielen. Jamie, let's have everybody rank those three. We'll go Jamie, Heath, Dave. How would you rank Lockett, Juju, and Thielen? Juju, Thielen, Lockett. Heath. Juju, Thielen, Lockett. Dave. The exact opposite. Lockett, Thielen, Juju. Okay, yeah, I know, Dave, you're a little low on Juju if you want to start the conversation there. Um, yeah, why don't we do that? You You have some concerns about a guy who had... 1,400 yards and seven touchdowns on 162 targets two seasons ago with Antonio Brown. It's pretty good. And that he had it because Antonio Brown was drawing a lot of tight coverage or defenses were playing zone and he was gobbling 
it all up. And I don't want to be the guy that dislikes Juju. I like Juju. I just like the other guys a little bit better. I still think he's going to get a good target share. He's going to listen last year. He, he tied for the team lead in targets per game uh, in a terrible year for the Steelers. It's not happening again. He's going to lead the team in targets again. Roethlisberger looks like he's getting better. So I can't make the case saying that Roethlisberger is going to be a huge problem. And that's going to cost Juju again in 2020. I just think that there's more mouths to feed and it, it's going to continue to hurt Juju. Almost the same thing as Mike Evans, where there's more red zone threats. There's more people who, who are going to get looks from Ben Roethlisberger. It's not going to be Juju for 10 targets per game. He's going to get around eight targets per game. And that's still pretty good. I think he can get you over a thousand yards. I think he can get you about six touchdowns. Uh, he's talking about the other guys here, uh, Thielen and Lockett, and you know you like Juju better than them. But you go Juju, Thielen, Lockett. Same with uh, with Jamie. Thielen, we have some target concerns, like probably with Lockett too. So I'm, I'm assuming that's the deciding factor for you. You probably project a lot more targets for Juju. Yeah, I mean, I think like Thielen, there are multiple concerns, and I go back and forth. I think I've I've moved him almost every time I've changed my rankings, just because he is on the wrong side of thirty. He was hurt for most of last year. We haven't seen him have great success without Stephon Diggs drawing the number one corner in most situations. He's used to playing a lot of slot routes, and I don't know if it's going to be him playing in the slot or Jefferson. But for the most part, yes, for Lockett and for Thielen, it comes down to these were two of the most run-heavy teams in the NFL. Russell Wilson has talked a lot about Seattle throwing the ball more, but I would think if they were going to throw the ball more, they would have brought in someone to fill in at running back other than Carlos Hyde, who's not exactly a great pass-catching back. They don't have that on their roster. So there's also a little bit of concern with Lockett. I don't think it's there's any reason to rank DK Metcalf ahead of Tyler Lockett or to draft DK Metcalf ahead of Tyler Lockett. But there's a 30% chance this year that DK Metcalf's the number one and Tyler Lockett's the number two. Jamie, these uh, three guys... Only 29, by the way. What, what's that? Thielen's only 29. He's not on the wrong side of 30 yet. Okay. Okay. He looks old. Uh, Lockett, Juju, Thielen, how many of these guys do you see as league winners? Zero. Uh, Juju's good for sure. Well, a league winner? Oh, yeah. I mean, he could be a 1,500-yard, 10-touchdown guy. They all could be league winners. I'm not drafting them thinking that they're going to be the ones that pull me into the fantasy. I, I would have no problem if all three are my number one receiver this year. That's a better way to put it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if they're going to be the reason. They're not going to. It's not like. Well, I mean, you know, if Juju does what. If, if Juju does what we were talking about him doing last year, which I think he's still capable of doing, then he can be a league winner because we were drafting him as a top five wide receiver last year. I think the really interesting thing with and the reason I said Juju and not the other two, Pittsburgh has a great defense and they might just continue to be more run heavy like they were last year. But we think that happened because Ben was gone. If Ben Roethlisberger comes back and they're all of a sudden a 600 pass attempt team again, then Juju has top two or three wide receiver upside. I I don't really think that Thielen and Lockett have that same upside. You know, I, I think one thing, though, we keep saying great defense for some of these teams and bad defense for some of these teams. Great defense doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing for the offense, though, because they're going to have the ball more. So, you know, with with what could be a bad run game for the Steelers, because we've seen them be a bad running team for, uh, you know, the last two years, essentially, um, by comparison to where they were. I think that just, you know, short area throws, uh, you know, more times where Roethlisberger is looking for Juju because he's going to line up in the slot. So I, I think it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing that their defense is good. Right. How was the Saints defense last year? It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Thomas. Was- 
It, yeah, but it, um, all right, let's move on. Let's move on. Number 25 is Clyde Edwards Elair, the rookie, the last pick of round one of the NFL draft. Jamie loves Clyde Edwards Elair. Is anybody nervous about taking him 25th overall? Does that feel like I know Jamie'd be thrilled to get him 25th overall? Does anybody feel like that would be too early for Clyde Edwards Elair? I would nope. not take him there. I would. I'd be fine with it. Heath, what are your, what are your concerns? I, I'll have fun making a case against Clyde Edwards either. Um, like the concern is the same thing that the concern is for all the rookies. We're going into a very unique season, and he with the Chiefs. I fully expect Damian Williams going to start Week One, and when Damian Williams has been healthy as a part of this Chiefs offense, he's been very good. I don't think we get to a situation unless Williams gets hurt or is just bad, like has gone over the hill without us knowing it. Um, I don't think we get to a situation where Williams is getting fewer than 10 to 12 touches per game. And that puts a little bit of a cap on Clyde Edwards Elair ceiling, as well as there is some risk that he gets to camp and struggles with something the Chiefs want him to do. And he's he's just not somebody you can start early in the year. And Jamie, you see league certainly league winning upside for Clyde Edwards. I'm not saying he doesn't, but it's what entices you with him. Okay, I'm sorry. You ha- You see league winning upside here. Yes, I do. I mean, I I think you're going to see him get the majority of the touches, and then that's not going to be a consistent 20-plus touch guy on a week-to-week basis because Damian Williams will have a role. And if he's out, I think the other guys that are there, whether it's uh, you know Thompson or Daryl Williams or whoever still makes the roster, will also have a role as well. But I think he's going to get the high-level touches that we talk about. I think he's going to be the one significantly uh, being used in the passing game. Um, I think he's got the chance to score 10 plus touchdowns if he does get 15 plus touches on a week to week basis. So, uh, I'll draft that type of upside. I think he's the type of guy that is a league winner. Yeah. So I think he's the type of player that you can, you can draft and, and, and start on a week to week basis. And, um, it may take two or three weeks. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Miles Sanders where it's, you know, week 11 that it happens, but I, I think, you know, by week three or four, we could see him as the best running back in Kansas city. One of the best running backs fans. All right, we're going to lump our next two together. 24 and 23 in the rankings are Calvin Ridley and Kenny Galladay. Ridley played only 13 games. He had 866 yards and seven touchdowns, and he actually had just two fewer catches than Kenny Galladay, who had in 16 games 65 catches, just under 1,200 yards, and 11 touchdowns. And he was on pace for 1,280 yards and 14 touchdowns with Matthew Stafford in eight games with Matthew Stafford. Uh, and he led the NFL, by the way, Kenny Galladay, in targets inside the 10-yard line. Dave, who do you like better, Ridley or Galladay? I like Galladay better, especially in non-PPR. And I, that's probably going to be an unpopular opinion on the podcast, but I, I like what he's capable of doing in the Lions offense, and he's proven it now. He, he proved it in spurts a couple of years ago, and then last year he just went all out. And he even did it without Matthew Stafford, at quarterback. He's a deep ball threat. He's a red zone threat. He can make plays after the catch. He's, he, he can definitely get a lot of volume from week to week as well. And I believe that Kenny Galladay can finish this year as a number one fantasy receiver. I think, I think Ridley can too. I think Ridley's going to be in a great position. You know, we talk about, you know, not having to face double teams. Ridley's not going to have to do much of that. And I know that he's um, progressing in the right direction as far as a third year receiver who's got a lot of potential, matched his numbers from his rookie year um, in fewer games last season. So, I like both these guys. I'd love it if these were my round two and round three picks on draft day. Does anybody want to make the case for Calvin Ridley ahead of Kenny Galladay? Yeah, in PPR, I would. Um, I I just worry. Like, I don't know that 
Galladay really has much of a chance of like I Ridley could get 130 targets with Julio Jones playing 16 games. I don't know what the chances are of Galladay getting that, and his catch rate's always been so low that he's just probably not going to be an 80 catch guy unless he gets a ton of targets. And non PPR, I agree with Dave. I would actually take Galladay over Ridley, but in PPR, I'll take Ridley. Jamie, I want to give you a stat. Tell me what you think for Calvin Ridley. So he uh, he had a great year, but it wasn't just when Sanu left. It was when Hooper and Sanu were both out. Three games without Hooper and Sanu, he got 34.4% of his targets, 36.8% of his yards, 28.6% of his touchdowns in 23% of his season. So there was a three-game stretch after the Sanu trade without Austin Hooper. That's when Calvin Ridley went bananas. But when it was just no Sanu, uh, no Sanu and, and Hooper was in, he wasn't nearly as involved and he wasn't as good. Does that matter to you? As they've replaced Hooper with, with Hurst in theory, but obviously they haven't replaced Sanu. Uh, Sanu. Does that matter to you? No, I just think he's a good player that's ascending. And... Um... I mean, look, Hurst has had an injury problem in his career, so that's something you got to keep in mind. You know, so if he's out for any stretch, and and Russell Gage does not step into the Sanu role, um, as as at least that's going to be his opportunity right away, then Ridley has the chance to, you know, be a significant contributor. Uh, but I just think he's he's shown you enough that he's got the potential to take that next step in his third year to be one of these third year breakouts. You know, I I look at what like our I don't know what Heath has him projected for. Our projections have him for uh, you know seventy-seven, a thousand, and nine. I wouldn't be surprised if the yards and maybe even the touchdowns are better than that. Um, you know, so he's just got so much upside. And you know, after this new trade, before he got hurt, so there was a six-game span that they both played together. And, and as you referenced, Adam Hooper was hurt for part of that, but he outscored Julio Jones in that six-game stretch. You know, so he was he was their their guy um, in terms of production. And then Julio just blew up in the final three games when Ridley was out. The thing that I think both these guys sort of are, are great upside plays. And, you know, if you want to keep using the phrase league winners, they're going to throw the ball so much. They they just have, have shown you that last year was, was, you know, Detroit's sort of, okay, we're going to uh, open up the offense a little bit. Ben's talked about this, Ben Gretsch, about how the target, the, the receiving targets, uh, the players that are catching passes from Matthew Stafford changed pre or post Calvin Johnson to what we saw, I guess, you know, Galladay. And obviously the Falcons as well. They led the NFL in past tense last year. So these, these are guys that you gravitate toward. You know, they're, they're both young. They're both high upside plays. They're going to score a lot of touchdowns. And if the catches can ever get to the 80-plus range, they're going to be dominant forces. And there's right. nothing either of them can't do on the field. Well, that's, that's the other huge thing. We can talk about other receivers, probably not in the top 30, but guys who maybe aren't red zone threats. Maybe they're only big play threats. Both of these guys are big play threats and red zone threats for their teams. Yeah, there's kind of an underrated stat that we, and I'm not going to talk about it now. I just want to give it out, though. Um, we talk about the Bucks defense improving, how they got better second half of the year. The Falcons defense, the first eight games of the year, they went 1-7. and seven. They gave up 31 points per game. The last eight games of the year, they went 6-2. and two. They gave up 18.6 points per game. But they still were throwing the ball more than 40 times per game. Maybe it's because they didn't have a run game. But it is something yeah, interesting, something to keep an eye on here. Um, Heath, let's talk about Josh Jacobs. He's an interesting player. He was 14th in non-PPR. He was 21st in PPR last year. He was a workhorse. He dominated near the goal line, but he only had 20 catches in 13 games. Josh Jacobs is 22nd in our PPR consensus rankings. Make the case for Josh Jacobs. 
I this is right about where I have him. It's nice to know um, that assuming he plays 16 games, he's probably going to be relatively close to 300 carries. They did not really spell him too much in the running game. Um, I would expect the Raiders offense is going to be a little bit better this year with all the weaponry that they added. That will give him to chan- a chance to score a few more touchdowns. He is, I think, pretty good when they throw him the football. They've just got way too many other pieces that are good at those types of routes, so I don't think they're going to. But if they ever give him a chance in the passing game, he has the ability. He showed it just a couple times last year to break those big plays on one target. So there's some receiving game upside, even if there's not a lot of target upside. Dave, the case against Josh Jacobs. In PPR, he can't be viewed as a number one fantasy running back. He just doesn't catch the ball enough. I think the addition of Bowden and the the re-signing of Richard kind of tells you what the Raiders want to do. They don't want to put too much work on Josh Jacobs' plate. Uh, they want to use him certainly as a ball carrier, and he is going to be their featured back. But if he's not catching 35-plus passes, what are his chances of finishing as a top-12 running back? He's going to need to score a ton of touchdowns. I don't know if we can count on him for that. In non-PPR, he's there. There's no question. He was 10th in fantasy points per game in non-PPR last year, 15th in PPR. Schedule also gets hard starting in week two. And I'm I'm still not sold on the Raiders' defense or their pass game taking big steps forward. Jacobs, I think, can still take a good step forward. I don't know if it's going to be two steps forward. It might just be one. I'm nervous to use him in PPR. So, Jamie, we see Jacobs at 22. Miles Sanders is top 12 in the consensus rankings uh i'm pretty sure and is it just the passing game is that basically what separates them to the the cat yeah i i think so i i do think that uh jacobs will rush for more yards than sanders he'll probably have an opportunity to score more touchdowns on the ground than sanders but sanders will do more total yards and and should do more in the passing game but i mean if, if sanders were to get excuse me if if jacobs were to get you know 10 to 15 more catches he could be an absolute, absolute monster. Um, you know, you still got to factor in some of the injury concerns, you know, from uh, what we saw last year. You know, I, I like the fact that he came back when the Raiders were still in playoff contention and, and fought through the shoulder injury. But, you know, will he, you know, have to get shut down at any point um, if they're out of contention like we saw last year where they were trying to, you know, maybe baby him a little bit. But it's a very good offensive line. I do think that the passing game, I, I understand Dave's, you know, concern that it's maybe not going to be great, but it should be better. Um uh, if, if Henry Ruggs is, you know, as advertised. So there, there's a lot to like about what this offense could be. Um, and a lot of, you know, Vegas is certainly telling you that they expect the Raiders to be better. No, I guess that's a bad way of phrasing it. Um, betters are telling you that, uh, the odds are telling you that they expect um, the Raiders to be better. So, you know, if, if their team does improve and, and we see, uh, you know, some more situations, I go back to that Chiefs game. I think it was the first Chiefs game he left with an injury. Um, he was having a monster first. I think he had like 99 yards in the first half. And that was when their run defense was, was miserable. Uh, I forget who said it, but uh, somebody said that, you know, had he stayed in that game, I think it was somebody from the Chiefs, I think said had he stayed in that game that they probably would have pulled off the upset because um, he was having such a, a, a great performance. Yeah, he's so, awesome. Um, he's, he's got a huge ceiling. It's just a matter of can he stay healthy and maybe do a little bit more in the passing. What is the uh, – now I'm curious because I need to find a place to bet the – what's the Raiders over-under up to for wins? <laughs> I thought it was seven and a half. But, you know, but they're like in a, in a in a group of like you know a bunch of teams that, that you know that, that's a, that's an improvement for them. I wonder if them moving to Las Vegas is a factor in that, and they well, know they that seven last year, right? Las Vegas are just going to bet the over. Did they win seven last year. They took a killing on when the hockey team 
went to Vegas and they had an over under total and everybody in town took the over. They had to pay it out. All right. One more player here in the first 10 that we're going to talk about. It is Cooper Cup. Interesting year for Cooper Cup. He was the number four wide receiver in fantasy last year in both formats. His first eight games, he had 87 targets. His last eight games, he had 47 targets. Still managed to catch five touchdowns in those eight games, but he basically disappeared in those eight games. He had one game with more than 53 yards, no games with more than 65 yards, but of course stayed a red zone, uh, green zone, gold zone, all zones factor for Jared Goff. So Cooper Cup is number 21 in the consensus rankings here. And um, I'll throw it back to Jamie. Give me a quick case for Cooper Cup. Well, I mean, he's Jared Goff's best buddy. Uh, you know, so I think that certainly helps. Uh, you know, when they made this switch to, you know, run, you know, again, more more 12 personnel for them when Brandon Cooks was banged up and they were struggling to run the game, run the ball. You know, those two guys are going to be on the field, Cup and, and Robert Woods, a ton. And Cup has been such a, a, a great asset in the red zone for, for Jared Goff. So if this run game does struggle, if they can't, you know, pick things up back from where they were a year ago or two years ago, excuse me, um, it's going to be a lot on the passing game. And, and Cup and Robert Woods should have a big, big opportunity, along with Tyler Higby too, but uh, just in terms of the receivers. So Cup is one of those guys, like, I feel very similar to Galladay and, um, and Ridley. Like, they're, they're a little bit more touchdown dependent than they're going to be, you know, consistently 90 plus catches but uh you know what what cup has proven over the first three years of his career i think is a good enough track record to show you that he belongs in this range he is a guy you can count on as your number one receiver um and and certainly has the upside to be a top 10 receiver once again anyone disagree nope no but i could like the case against would be that four of his last five games he played less than three quarters of the team's offensive snaps like when tyler higby went bananas Cooper Cup was still scoring touchdowns, but he was he was on the field for like sixty one percent of the last two games, twenty eight percent of one of those games. Like I think he got he was he the left. slot receiver, and when they went to two wide receivers, he didn't really play outside, and he may just be the outside guy when they go to two receivers now, and that may, but we've not really seen him play that role a whole lot. Yeah, the twenty eight percent game. I thought maybe there was injury, but um, he definitely had the reduced snap count uh, for sure. It was. It was interesting. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here on Fantasy Football today. we got 20 more players to talk about. We'll do the next 10, uh, starting with DJ Moore, who's 20th in our consensus rankings. We'll be right back. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562 562- 
314-4603 for complete details. DJ Moore, 15th best wide receiver in PPR last year. He played 15 games, really only played 14 games. In those 14 healthy games on pace for 1,300, uh, 1,342 yards, only five touchdowns, but 152 targets. Dave, case four, DJ Moore. He's, he's the best wide receiver on a team that's going to throw a lot of short area passes, and he's got a great catch rate to go with it. He can make plays after the catch, which is going to be a huge component of what the Panthers are going to do. And he's, he's a really good receiver who should see a few more touchdowns go his way without his target share falling off at all. Okay. Is there a case against DJ Moore? He's going in the fourth round, by the way, in those fantasy football calculator drafts. Uh, that was crazy. That's he- a steal. Yeah, totally. Um, Heath, is there a case against DJ Moore? I mean, he hasn't scored very many touchdowns so far. I would normally scream touchdown regression for a guy that had four touchdowns on 135 targets in 2019, but his touchdown rate last year was actually higher than it was in 2018. And they did add Robbie Anderson, who could take a larger share of the targets than Curtis Samuel did. Um, I don't believe any of the things I just said, but that would be it. <laughs> okay. So uh, he- NFL on reception. Yeah, like, why, why, well, Jamie, why is there such a disconnect between, you know, we've got him 20th overall, middle of round two, and fantasy football calculator ADP has him in the fourth round? What do you think people are afraid of? Or Heath, yeah, go ahead. Well, I'm going to look and see. I wonder if that's just a fantasy football calculator thing. Um, I will look at the other sites that where people are playing for money and not practicing mock drafting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, that would factor in, you know, with, with, with some of these things, you, you know, it happens to our site too. You know, when you get auto drafted and if some site hasn't projected low, maybe, okay, maybe. Yeah. I, I think it's more that, um, he's, he's in a, he's a third round pick in best ball leagues. Um, I think he maybe were a little higher, but it's mostly just some, there's some site where he auto drafts late. Honestly, I think some people are afraid of Bridgewater. I think that they think that Teddy Bridgewater is going Which to be Which is a just player. absurd. It's like, I agree. He was he with Kyle Allen and Will Greer last yes, year. Like Absolutely. Absolutely. Adam could be his quarterback, and it'd basically be the same thing as what he had last year. No, you'd have too many off-target throws. <laughs> All right. George Kittle is next in the rankings. He's number 19, so we have a tight end here. Um, here's a Here's a different question here because kelsey is closer to the top 12 um how how much farther back from kelsey should kittle be jamie how many players do you think should separate those two tight ends five to seven okay that sounds about right based on our consensus rankings here uh jamie the case for george kittle (laughs) by the way he missed two games this year jimmy garoppolo threw 91 times in those two games which is outrageous for him and they were against the two best matchups in fantasy for tight ends. They were Arizona and Seattle. If he played those two games, I'm I'm almost I feel so confident he would have outscored Kelsey and been the number one tight end in fantasy because the matchups were great, and uh, he was basically as good or a little bit better on a per game basis than Kelsey anyway. But Jamie, give me a case for George Kittle why he should be a top twenty pick. Well, he's the best receiving option on his team, and that's always a a, a nice thing to have, as we saw, as we've seen from him over the last couple of years. We saw it from Gronk uh, for a good portion of his tenure. Uh, we saw it from Darren Waller last year. Um, he is uh, he's just an athletic freak, you know. I mean, he's done it without scoring a lot of touchdowns yet. So imagine if he can get to a a, a double digit touchdown season. Um, 
he's I I just think you know he's he's in that por- part of his career where he's ascending to be uh, one of the greats at his position. I mean, I remember we had this conversation with the Mount Rushmore and the uh, you know best players at at their spots. You know, is Kittle going to be one of those guys that cracks that group eventually? And I think he can. Um, so it, there there's you know really not much to say outside of that he's awesome in the right spot at the right time. And if they do start throwing more, if they do you know, struggle to run or their defense does take a step back and maybe some of the losses that we saw last year or Super Bowl hangover, uh, he could be even better. As we saw, you know, his uh, his best season came, I believe, is with, uh, what, Nick Mullins and um, uh, without Garoppolo playing, right? Yeah, so, last year. Mm-hmm. 2018, uh, yeah. So there's just a lot to like about what, what Kill can do. And what he did last year, he did on a broken freaking ankle. And he, he basically averaged the same amount of fantasy points per game in PPR as Allen Robertson, who's a top 10 receiver. So you're drafting a top 10 receiver to be your starting tight end when you draft George Kittle. And he's never had more than five touchdowns in a single season. That's eventually going to turn, and he's going to get like... 30. I think Pro Football Focus has him as the, had him as the best tight end last year. Best fantasy tight end last year. Yeah, well, on a per-game awesome. basis, they And the fact that you tied. can get him after Kittle and draft after draft just means that that's a value. Yeah, the only problem with that is like where they're, where they're going. You know, it's like if you want to look at it like if you're going to draft a tight end you, you probably have to make the commitment to one one of the two guys at a different spot in your draft because kelsey's toward the end of round one and kittle's toward the back end of round two right right uh all right so the case against kittle maybe is look they they drafted a wide receiver in the first round brandon Ayuk, maybe Depot samuel takes a step forward they're not a pass heavy team but kittle seems like a no-brainer in the second round so we've got an interesting stretch of players here uh after Kittle, or I guess going before Kittle, we've got five running backs here. Well, let's let's read the list. We've got Nick Chubb, Joe Mix, uh, Derrick Henry, Joe Mixon, and these guys are eighteen. Chubb is eighteen. Mixon's or Henry, excuse me, <laughs> this is not that hard. Chubb is eighteen. Henry is seventeen. Mixon is sixteen. Eckler is fifteen. Kenyon Drake is fourteen. Five running backs there. From fourteenth to eighteen, it's actually going. Uh, from best to worst, Kenyon Drake, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon, Derrick Henry, and Nick Chubb. This is PPR. Keep that in mind. We don't expect a ton of catches from Henry or Chubb or probably even Mixon. yet 35 last year. All right, Heath. Who's your favorite of this five? Uh, in full PPR, it's still Austin Eckler. He was, in this format, the best of this group last year, right? And that was with Melvin Gordon playing 12 games. I don't believe that Joshua Kelly or Justin Jackson are going to get the same volume that Eckler did. Eckler will see his targets come down a little bit because the Chargers aren't going to throw as much. But Tyrod Taylor is not your typical running quarterback who doesn't throw the ball to running backs. Last time he was a running back, LaShawn McCoy led his team in targets per game. So I still think they also do a lot of things with Austin Eckler where he's not lining up as running back on a play. He plays some snaps in the slot. They have designed pass plays going specifically to him. So it's not like a lot of his volume came solely because Philip Rivers was dumping the ball off real quick when it was designed to go somewhere else. I still think he'll be amongst the leaders in terms of receptions at running back this year, and he'll have more rush volume than he did as well. Dave, the group of five is... Drake, Eckler, Mixon, Henry, Chubb. Who's your favorite? In PPR, it's Mixon because he's given us 1,400 total yards and eight touchdowns on 280 touches each of the last two seasons. The Bengals unlocked him in the second half of last year. Averaged over 17 PPR points per game 
in those eight games last year. They just let him be a patient runner. They threw to him a decent amount. They, their offensive line is going to be better this year. They've got Jonah Williams coming back at left tackle. That's a great start. The quarterback, it's, it's going to be an improvement. I think Burrow is going to be just fine there. And the defense is still going to be a question mark for Cincinnati. The biggest knock that I see on Mixon going into drafts now is his schedule. It's a tough schedule for him, especially in the early going. So there could be some rough games for, for him and for everybody on Cincinnati uh, to begin the year. But talent-wise and what he's been able to give you over the last two seasons and specifically over the last half of last season with this coaching staff, I think there's a ton to love about Mixon. Mixon was the number four running back in the last eight games of the year. He had the most carries in the NFL. He had 33 more carries than anyone else. Nick Chubb was number two. So that's crazy. Uh, and Derrick Henry is the only running back who had more rushing yards than Joe Mixon. Jamie, who's your favorite in this group of five? It's Mixon also. But I, I think you know, they're all awesome. Um, you know, especially if, if Henry can repeat what he did a year ago. You know, the question is just with him is, uh, you know, again, for me, it's, it's health. Uh, but also, can he uh, maybe do a little bit more in the passing game? But I, I think, you know, Dave was spot on with Mixon. Heath was spot on with Eckler. What we saw from Drake to close the season last year was unbelievable. And, you know, Chubb can, as we saw, was neck and neck with Henry to lead the NFL in rushing. And now he gets to Fansky, who could be even more inclined to use him uh, running the ball. The the problem with him is, is Kareem Hunt. But I think all these guys have a chance to be, you know, uh, again, to use your phrase, league winners. They're just, uh, they're just in good spots. They're coming off strong performances a year ago. And, um, you know, if they all stay healthy, then you're going to be thrilled with getting them either late round one or early round two. All right, you said they're all awesome, but we know how fantasy works. Not all these guys are going to end up being awesome, unfortunately. So who concerns you in this group? Again, it's Drake, Eckler, Mixon, Henry, and Chubb. Who are you guys avoiding? These, you got you to invest a round two pick. Is there anyone you're saying, no, there's no way I'm drafting this guy in the second round? Well, I mean, I'm not taking Henry at all. I just, I, I, I'm worried about the, the touches from a year ago and just, you know, regression from this team as a whole. So I, I, I doubt I'll draft very much of Henry. And Chubb is the one I have ranked right above him. They're both 11 and 12 for me in PPR. Uh, Chubb would be, again, lack of receptions uh, once Kareem Hunt was eligible to play. And if Hunt takes on a bigger role in the, in the ground game, then that's going to hurt him too. So those would be the two I would nit- nitpick the most. But, um, you know, hopefully the, the flaws or the pros outweighs the con. And I hate to say it with both of them because they're, they're, they're two of the best running backs in the NFL. Right. Like just forget about all the other information that we know about them. Just when you watch them play, they're fun to watch. They're great at what they do. And in in theory, they should both be around for several years. But I think Jamie's points are are accurate. I've got Henry ranked ahead of Chubb and PPR, but they're fourth and fifth for me among these running backs. Yeah. Like I wouldn't say any of these guys I'm avoiding in round two. They're all in my top 17, I believe. So I, I would take any of them in the second round, especially the end of the second round. My least favorite is Mixon. I don't really know that he's going to catch a lot more passes than Henry or Chubb. Maybe he's going to get an extra 10 or 12 points in that regard. Um, and I just, he's not been as good as them on the ground. You know, Chubb. Well, he was at the end of last year though. The end of last year, yeah. Look, the thing with with Mixon though is that we forget he was terrible the first eight games. It's like everybody talks about the last eight games, but the first eight games he averaged three point two yards per carry. He was yeah Le'Veon because Bell. the coaches were trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. It was also you know I mean first first eight games of a new head coach and you know 
Is AJ Green coming back? Is he not what coming back? What does that matter? I mean, why are we making those excuses? He was bad. Huh? He, he was bad. You know, like he was bad. They I, were we, fundamentally using him the wrong way. In the well, first I mean, we can't we can't sit here and say, okay, we can we you know, Chubb was bad by comparison his last eight games when no only Green in touchdowns. On he he still averaged four point eight yards per carry. He had the second most carries in the NFL. Kareem Hunt had one carry inside the five yard line. So Chubb okay, but still statistically, that Chubb was worse when Kareem Hunt was on field. Not 3.2 yards per carry. I mean, Joe Mixon was an outright horrible bust the first eight games. But would you rather have a guy building toward the next season or fading away toward the next season? I don't think it matters. Season? No, I don't think that matters at all. It's eight games. I think it know. matters significantly. I Momentum think, counts. I, I look at. Uh, I don't. I don't expect Mixon and Chubb to be that different on a per carry basis. Like, I mean, I think. I think they're both really good. I'm just saying, like, you can't just completely throw away the first eight games of the season. No, they came Joe off Mixon. their bye week. They found something that worked, and 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 they rode it toward the end of the year. Okay. Um. How about this? I, again, I brought this up last week or two weeks ago. Uh, last week it must have been. 15 carries for Nick Chubb inside the five-yard line for negative 14 yards. By far the the fewest yards gained because negative 14. I wouldn't worry about that at all. Well, I, the only reason I worry about it is because they do have Kareem Hunt. So do they say maybe that's not a strength of Nick Chubb's? That, that's all I'm bringing up there. I don't so know. That, I mean, that they, would take they added two pretty significant offensive linemen there. I think they're going to help that off that that ground game. And, and the coaching staff is completely different. So I think they're going to be able to scheme better down there. Okay. And if they're as conservative as they say, as they as we say they are, I had to get that out there. Uh, that Chubb should get plenty of opportunities inside the five again, and hopefully turns them into more touchdowns than he did last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just thought it was an interesting stat. Really, don't see that kind of inefficiency. All right, we got two wide receivers in a row. Chris Godwin and DeAndre Hopkins. Godwin is 13th in our consensus rankings. He was the number two PPR wide receiver last year. DeAndre Hopkins was number five. Uh, he, had a, he had a down year. He's usually 1,500 yards, 12 touchdowns. Last year, he was 1,165 yards and seven touchdowns in 15 games. Heath, who do you like better, Godwin or Hopkins? Um, I like Godwin better. Obviously, both guys changing quarterbacks, but I think that the fit there with Godwin and Tom Brady is a pretty good one. He runs more of the types of routes that are closer to the line of scrimmage. He's going to play outside more if they play more 12 personnel, but he was actually better on a per-target basis last year outside than he was in the slot, so that doesn't worry me at all. I'm just a little bit worried about DeAndre Hopkins, who has always been a guy that kind of needs nine to ten targets per game to be an elite fantasy wide receiver i don't know that he's going to get nine to ten targets per game in that arizona offense who likes hopkins better than godwin anybody i do okay yeah you you like hopkins like you're pretty bullish here because the cardinals are desperate for a guy like him they you go back and watch their games last year they sputtered inside the red zone because they didn't have anybody who could dominate down there and when it came to stretching the field, they, they didn't necessarily have guys who could do that either. And I know you don't think of DeAndre Hopkins in that way, but he did it plenty for Houston. He's just not among the elite receivers in the NFL when it comes to deep ball, but he certainly made his fair share of long catches from Deshaun Watson. And he's going to be able to do things in the red zone that Trent Shurfield and Larry Fitzgerald can sometimes do, but didn't do all the time last year. Christian Kirk, same thing. He's going to be able to step up. And that's what I'm counting on when I draft DeAndre Hopkins. I think the target share is going to go down from what he had in Houston because he was catching a third of everything in Houston. So he's not going to be quite that involved, but he's still going to be the target leader by a significant margin 
in Arizona, call it 30 targets. So they'll have more than 30 targets than anybody else on the team. And I think he can get double digit touchdowns again. This is an offense that toward the end of last year, really, well, maybe not toward the end of last year, but after the beginning of the season, that's probably the best way to put it. They really started to get going. And I think they're going to continue to progress progress, and, and ultimately be one of the best offenses in the NFL. And they're going to challenge those defenses in the NFC West, and Hopkins is going to be a big reason for it. Jamie, so why, you, why do you say think? 30 targets more, that would put him at 135 targets. targets. No, I'm saying 30 is a reasonable number. So that, that would put him 135 targets because I think it was 105 was the target leader for them last year with Fitzgerald. It was they were right around 105. Yeah, Fitzgerald he, and Kirk were both right around. Right, that. but Kirk missed three games, so he would have probably had you know sure. 115. Uh, but if you just go on the numbers that they had, the only time in Hopkins' career he's ever had less than 150 targets, the only time he's been around that number 135, it was his second year in the league. And this this is his numbers, which I think is realistic: uh, 76 catches, 1,210 yards, and six touchdowns. So his yards per target would go up significantly based on what we saw from a year ago but his touchdowns would be about the same and the catches would come down a lot. So um, in this offense, is that something that is attractive to you? If that's his numbers, and I'm not saying you did, but just in general, if that's what he does, is that a high second round, low first round pick? Well, that, that's, no, that's the thing is I've got him projected for 140 targets, um, but at eight But he's, ne- he's never been good with less than, or, or never been great with less than right. 150 targets. At his career efficiency, which is right like for his career, right around eight yards per target, he was that's right where he was last year. He's a five percent touchdown rate guy, which is pretty normal. Well, that's eleven hundred and fifty yards. Jamie said twelve hundred, right in that range, and seven touchdowns. And I think that's what I've got projected for is eleven fifty and seven. Unless he catches a hundred passes, that's just not a top five wide receiver. And if he gets the same targets here that he's been getting with Deshaun Watson, that would have put him last year at one hundred and sixty six targets. And it would have been the second most targeted receiver in the NFL. Right. And I don't think he's going to get that high, but I think the touch you're talking about seven touchdowns for him. I think that's going to be way low. Well, so you think his touchdown rate's going to go up with Kyler touchdown Murray? It's going to go up. He's going to be the, the top banana in the red zone for Arizona. The touchdown leader last year was like five. Yeah. They need somebody who's better than five. Yeah. And I know Dave thinks that Kyler Murray was a little unlucky in the red zone last year. So that Dave's counting on a lot of touchdowns for Hopkins. One more guy in this group of 10, it's Travis Kelsey, number 11 in our consensus ranking. He's been the number one tight end in PPR four straight seasons. He's been number one in non-PPR three of the last four. The other season, he finished number two. I think the case for Kelsey is is fairly easy to make. Uh, (laughs) I just made it, right? Number one, four years in a row in this format, and we have him as a top 12 player overall. What's the case against Travis Kelsey, Dave? The case against Travis Kelsey... Um, let's just start with value on draft day, taking him with a first round pick when you can get Kittle in round two, it seems a little steep for Kelsey. I know that he's been incredibly consistent and he's 31, he 31 or 32 years old. He now. will turn 31 this season. Okay. So in the middle of the season, I'm not, I, you can't discount him for that. I, that doesn't matter to me. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's where you really start. If you're going to go against Travis Kelsey is that there are so many other tight ends that you can either get in round two or round three, four, or you can just wait until round eight and get one of the guys in the back half of our top 12 uh, in our rankings, and you'll be fine at the position. It's deeper this year, so the the rush to get a tight end to just solidify that spot, I don't think it's necessary to do. I, I Honestly, I don't, I don't know what else there could be to say. I think he's the short area target that Patrick Mahomes prefers in that offense. Maybe Edwards-Hilaire 
is so good that he takes some work away from Kelsey inside of 15 yards. But he's he's a really good player and really tough to double cover. He's tough to cover, just period, in that offense, given all the weapons that they have. Heath, do you have to leave, or do you have time to give us a why Travis Kelsey's hot garbage take? There's no. It's, we shouldn't waste time on that. <laughs> All right. Well, Heath has to jump off and do HQ. Dave has to do the same in about five minutes. So Heath, thank thank you thank you for your time today. Yep. Sorry you don't get to talk about Miles Sanders. I'll just I'll just say what I what you think about Miles Sanders. Consensus ten is way too high. <laughs> All right. Let's get to Miles Sanders. He is number ten. Uh, and in the last six regular season games after the Jordan Howard injury, that does not include Week 17. Sanders got hurt in that game. He was the number three running back in PPR, number seven in non-PPR. He had 25 catches. He had 94 carries. He was awesome. Didn't really score that many touchdowns, only four touchdowns in those six games. Not terrible, but um, that's, I guess, pretty good. But maybe he could have even more. Uh, all right, so is consensus 10 too high for Miles Sanders? Do either of you feel that way, Jamie or Dave? I definitely don't. I think it's too high just from the standpoint of there are just a few players that have probably a little bit of a higher floor. Um, you know, Kelsey is certainly in that conversation. I would take Mixon over Sanders. Um, you know, just I think there's a, a higher ceiling for him from what we saw a year ago. Uh, some of the receivers that we've talked about, I think, are a little bit safer than than Miles Sanders. But he's in this conversation. I mean, he, he's awesome. You know, and, and again, I think what he showed you at the end of last year, Hopefully carries over this year. I just hope that they don't add somebody else still, you know, just to ruin him. I think it would be good for his ADP because you still want to draft him in this range, even if they add, let's say, a Devontae Freeman. Um, but, you know, it's just going to be a matter of do they continue to lean on him like we saw last year. Now, last year, his reception totals, I think, were boosted a little bit because of the receivers. They're going to have healthier receivers, whether it's the rookie stepping up or Jeffrey and, and uh, Deshaun Jackson back. But, you know, this whole thing about Doug Peterson and, and using not wanting to use one guy, I think is, is one of the most overblown things that we've talked about over the last several years. When he's had the opportunity oh, yeah. to use a guy, he has. I think he's been searching for a guy, and he found one last year. And so I, I think this is the opportunity to sort of dispel that a little bit. Now, is he going to be 30-plus touches on a weekly basis? No. Is it going to be 25? Maybe that's a stretch. But 20-plus, I think, is certainly well within reach. And, you know, the low 20s and uh, – He's 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 a number one running back. He's he's in the whatever you want to you know put him in in the five guys that we talked about previously from Mixon through Henry. Uh, you know he he's probably closer to that group than he is to the top four or top five, but he's he's right there. You know, and he he's a he's a borderline first round pick. I prefer him in the second round, but he's he's right here in this ring. And by the way, every coach is like that, where they're going to use multiple running backs to mix and match. Until they find their guy. And then when they find their guy, they're going to ride that guy. It's pretty simple to me. So thank you, Jamie, for saying that. And by the way, Miles Sanders is the only running back in Doug Peterson's history with the Philadelphia Eagles that's had over 1,000 total yards in the season. And his pace last year, this is including his bad games earlier when Jordan Howard was doing his thing. His pace was over 1,500 total yards and eight touchdowns. That's right around the average of what Michael Thomas has given you each of his last two seasons. Yeah. But obviously with fewer catches. So if you're trying to make that decision in PPR. Sure, that's fine. Um, but, you know, that doesn't mean that maybe it's obviously a positional scarcity thing, but whatever. Um, yeah, he wasn't that great, Sanders, at the beginning of the year. He didn't he was beat as out, a receiver. He was, yeah. He didn't beat out Jordan Howard. He took advantage of some very easy matchups down the stretch. 
I don't know. I like we have to make the case against. I, I think everybody knows how I feel about Miles Sanders. What I is think, it, well, I think what happened to Miles Sanders last year could happen to every single rookie this year, even our beloved Clyde, where they get off to a rough start because they're not used to playing in the NFL and they've got to figure things out and they've become a better player for it by the second half of the year. Okay, give me a quick answer on this. Jamie said he has Mixon ahead of of Sanders, but the consensus rankings have Sanders ahead of that group of five running backs, which was Chubb, Mixon, Henry, Eckler, Drake. Is there any one thing that separates Miles Sanders from that group, puts him ahead of of them? Situation. Situation, okay. Not to mention talent. Talent's pretty damn good, too. All right, number nine is Tyreek Hill. And he, you know, didn't have a great year last year, but he was hurt in and out of the lineup, played only 12 snaps in week one. So you see he played 12 games. He really only played 11 games. Uh, we, we love Tyreek Hill. He's obviously, he's great. Jamie, what's the case against Tyreek Hill? We saw last year he got hurt, you know, and so hopefully that doesn't happen again. Um, look, uh, Miko Harmon has a little bit of a bigger role. Uh, Sammy Watkins still there. They throw more to their running backs because Edwards Allaire is, uh, you know, a special talent, maybe in comparison to Damian Williams. Um, when we get to this point, it's just such small things that are, that are the problems with these guys. So, uh, I don't I don't see much downside if he plays 16 games. We saw it two years ago how good he could be with Mahomes. And, you know, he could challenge to be the number one receiver. Non-PPR, he could be right there in PPR. Uh, he just doesn't catch a lot of passes. That's probably the, the worst thing about him. Right. Sure. Yeah. He doesn't have that safe volume, but he still finished last year 11th in PPR fantasy points per game and 18th in consistency. And I would argue that those numbers are low for him. So I, I think Tyreek, there, there's really, the, the argument against him is that, oh, he gets hurt. That's it. And Mahomes threw 26 touchdowns in 14 games last year. The Chiefs threw something like low. yeah, like 30 to 32 touchdowns. So I, I, I think Mahomes is a 40 touchdown guy. That's a big number, but he's one of the best. He's in, you know he's a legend already. So uh, he threw 50 touchdowns in 2018. That's a high number, but 40 is certainly realistic. Touchdowns are going to go up for the Chiefs. Julio Jones, I'm going to get. He was number three in PPR last year. He had another outstanding season, but man. Jamie mentioned it earlier. Last three games of the season, he had a 35.6% target share, Julio Jones. This was without Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley got hurt, and he went nuts. He had 378 yards and two touchdowns. Jones only had six touchdowns all year. Before that, I mean, 12 games with Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones had a 20.6% target share. So that's got to be a little concerning. Is anybody concerned about Julio Jones? 31 years old this year, eighth in our consensus rankings. A little, but I'm still taking him as a surefire number one fantasy receiver. And I think if he hadn't have finished last year the way that he did, I'd be a little more nervous to draft Julio Jones. But he had 78 PPR points in his last three games. That's more than 25 per game. Proves that he can still play at a high level. And I think Atlanta's still going to throw the ball a ton. I think he's still going to be the number one guy there. Let me ask you guys this. How many receivers do you think have a chance to be over 100 catches? Oh, gosh. Uh, without really thinking about it, seven. I, I'd say more have a chance to. I, I think we'll end up with like seven or eight. Uh, but I would, say eight? Like, I would say like Adam Thielen has a chance. You know, like probably 15. So last year, there were four guys who did it. Jones and Allen Robinson were just outside of it. Jones was 99 catches. Robinson was 98. I think the year before, there were eight guys that went over 100 catches mm-hmm. in 2018. He's one of those guys that you just pencil in for 100 catches. 
And you know, when you, when you look PPR, it's just, okay. Once you get past whoever your top two guys, maybe for me, it's, it's Thomas and Devonta Adams. I just think of Julio Jones. Like if he stays healthy, he's a hundred to 110 catches. He's, you know, 1300 to 1400 yards. And unfortunately he's kind of capped at like eight to nine touchdowns. If that is just the, 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 what he, his track record has been clearly health is a problem. Maybe Ridley takes the next step, but uh, Ridley missed time last year and Hurst has had a hard time staying healthy. They're going to throw the ball so much that he's just, he just feels safe. And so, um, you know, hopefully this isn't the year where the breakdowns or the, or the, the cliff happens for receivers in their early thirties. We've seen that before. I just think he's just so, so good. So talented. I wish he would get 10, 10 plus touchdowns a little bit more often, but it's hard to bet against Julio Jones. All right, Dave, thank you for your time today, sir. You got it, gentlemen. This was fun. We have seven more players. We have Devontae Adams checking in at number seven. 83 catches in 12 games, 997 yards. His 16-game pace was better than I realized, I think. Um, it was 111 catches, 1,329 yards, only seven touchdowns, but 169 targets. Um they didn't really do anything, Jamie, to uh, to make Devontae Adams look any worse going into 2020. You you know, look, seven's really high, but I know that for you, it's like an enthusiastic seven for Devontae Adams, right? I mean, you're just like, all in. I just think he's proven himself over the last two years. And, you know, again, you, you can say, okay, and this is probably a, a similar situation, Adam. Uh, it wasn't the same length of time. But he was bad in the early part of the season. This is kind of what I go back to with with Joe Mixon, feeling out a new coach, feeling out a new system, dealing with you know changes. Uh, you know Matt Lafleur's system wasn't really working for Devonte Adams. And then when Adams had that monster first half against Philadelphia, imagine if he had played those next three games, um, or was it four games? Next next four games uh, when he hurt his toe, because what he did when he came back from the toe injury, when he was consistently getting double digits in targets, he didn't have a double digit target game in his first three outings before that. Philadelphia game and that all came in the first half and so I think it was a matter of okay Rodgers knowing Valdez Scantling I liked him a lot last year didn't pan out uh Jerron Miles no longer part of the team didn't pan out Alan Lazard maybe we'll see how he uh how he does but I don't think he's got a superstar uh level to him maybe Jay Sternberger does but it's it's a lead singer and a bunch of backup dancers you know right now for Devontae Adams and uh if the targets can, can continue to be there. He was better than Michael Thomas on a per game basis the year before. Uh, I would not be surprised if he's there now. And, you know, again, factoring that slow start, he was still on a, on a per game, uh, on, a, on an average fantasy points per game basis. Uh, he was one, two, three, four, five, the sixth best receiver in PPR last year uh, behind Evans, Hopkins, Julio, Godwin, and Thomas in, in, in ascending order. So I, I think he's, you know, a uh, better chance to score 10 plus touchdowns, maybe than any other receiver. Uh, if you had to put money on it, I think he's got a chance to be around hundred catches. I think he's got a chance to be 1500 yards. So uh, we've had this conversation before. I know you brought it up briefly on the air. I would not be surprised if he's better than Thomas. I've toyed with the idea of putting him ahead of Thomas. It's just so hard to bet against Michael Thomas and what he does is a, in, in PPR, but in non PPR, I think the touchdowns can matter for Devonte Adams in his offense. And I think he might be better. Is he your number one wide receiver in non PPR? No, I haven't made that switch yet, but it's it's something every time I look at my rankings, I go, oh, maybe this is the day. <laughs> okay. I Yeah, here's the case against Devontae Adams. Matt LaFleur is potentially a very run-heavy coach. You know, we, we don't exactly know. He's been a coordinator or a coach three seasons 
and you know it was one with the Rams. So or he was I think a quarterback coach, right? You know, McVay calls the plays, but they were run heavy, um, and they drafted AJ Dillon. Uh, they were obviously run heavy in Tennessee with Derrick Henry, and they drafted AJ Dillon. So maybe they're going to try to be the 49ers or something like that. But you've brought it up. They don't have the defense for that. We don't think anyway, at least the run defense. Six spots left, and we know who they are. We just don't know the order. It's the big five running backs plus Michael Thomas. Well, we go like this in our consensus PPR rankings. Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott. This is 6-5-4. We're counting down. Or are we counting up? No, we're counting down. 6-5-4. Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott. Michael Thomas is three, Saquon Barkley's two, and Christian McCaffrey's one. Christian McCaffrey's a no-brainer. Uh, how difficult it is is it for you to figure out two through six? It's difficult with, at least it was. Uh, I think Dalvin Cook's holdout made it a little bit easier, but I had already moved Kamara ahead of Ezekiel Elliott. Um, so initially it was a little tough between Cook and, and Kamara. I think the, the tough part is where do you put Michael Thomas? Because I think we're going to find that you're going to see a little bit more of a lean, and I think this is the right way, toward running backs in the first two rounds. And then kind of take your chances with those round three, round four receivers. So if you are pick four, five, six, you know, do you pull the trigger on Thomas? And that's kind of, I think, for me at least, how low do I put a guy who was so impressive last year but could maybe lose a little bit with, Kamara being better, at least being healthy and not having to play through an ankle injury, and the addition of Emmanuel Sanders, which gives them a better number two receiver than they've had than, than they had last year. Okay, so following up on Michael Thomas, he was the number eight. Well, number in PPR, he was number six wide receiver two years in a row. So what changed? Well, got a lot more targets. He had 149 targets in 2017, 147 2018. He had 185 targets in 2019. Nobody had ever gotten to 150 targets with Drew Brees in New Orleans. Thomas had been right there two years in a row, but 185 was way more than we had seen from anybody with Drew Brees in New Orleans. Um, he had the most targets for any wide receiver since 2015. Uh, sometimes you see these 180 target seasons. They're not always followed up by, by the same thing. And Drew Brees threw more per game. Well, I'm not even factoring Bridgewater. Just Brees, his pass attempts. He threw more per game than he had in either of the previous two seasons. Um, so, yeah, I mean, maybe he's more of a 150-target guy. If Michael Thomas is 150 targets, which he had been both in 2017 and 18, right around there, told you, I guarantee 150 targets. Where are you taking him? Still in the mid-first round, but probably after all these backs. Okay. Why Kamara- like right now, I'm looking at our projections. We have him at 162 targets. Which would put him, or at least the projections have him, 132 catches, 1,572 yards, and nine touchdowns. Like I think that's realistic. Why put uh, why put Kamara over Zeke? By the way, is is Barkley two for you? It's McCaffrey, Barkley, Kamara, Zeke, Cook. I mean Zeke. I'm having. Why not Zeke number two? 300 carries last year. He's probably going to have. He and Derrick Henry have got to be the odds-on favorites to lead the NFL in carries. Right? Um, potentially. I just think, you know, the the norm for Zeke in terms of what his receiving totals have been is kind of where I look at as opposed to what he did two years ago. Yeah. So I don't 
I don't think he's going to be, I think 40 to 50 catches is where he's going to live. He had 54 last year. Kamara has had 81 catches each of his first three seasons, which is a pretty amazing stat. Kind of hilarious. Dalvin Cook ends his holdout today. Where would you rank him? Still the same. Five. Five. Okay. Anything you want to add? I mean, what what is it about Barkley that puts him ahead of the others? Again, I go back to the last three games of the season. You know, what he was able to accomplish. I think he's just a superior talent. Um I'm just so impressed by him as a player. I, I, I do think there are some concerns about what his role will be in the passing game with everybody healthy and Daniel Jones being a mobile quarterback. So that could hurt him a little bit in the same regard as, as Zeke, uh, where I don't know if he's going to be what we saw from him as a rookie. Uh, is he going to be more of a 40 to 50 catch guy? I think I'd probably take the over on that, but uh, maybe not by much. But I just think that the the Giants offense has a chance to be special. Their defense is going to be very, very bad. but. Uh, that offense could be special. You know, the offensive line should be better with Thomas. Um, I do think Jones in year two will be better. The The receiving core, while it may not have a clear-cut number one guy, when you throw in Evan Ingram, that's a pretty good group. And so I think there are going to be chances for them to score. I think there are going to be a lot of high-scoring games where they probably end up losing more so than winning. But, um, you know, a chance for him to be uh, close to 2,000 total yards is, is right there again. You have a $200 auction budget. We're playing in a PPR league. How much should... Christian McCaffrey go for and how much should Saquon Barkley go for? I mean, both those guys are going to go near 70. I, I think, you know, you're talking uh, probably 68 to 72 for McCaffrey and, you know, right around 65 for Barkley. Um, so just depending on how much you want to spend for one of those elite level players. Well, how much better do you think McCaffrey is than Barkley? Um, <laughs> I mean, as we saw last year, you know, you, you don't get a thousand yards from a, a running back very often. So, He's, he's, he's better. It's just, you know, this team could be really bad, um, as well. And you have new coach, new coordinator, new quarterbacks, which I don't think is a bad thing. Um, but McCaffrey has shown the ability to run through tackles, run through the, run through one up the middle. Uh, you know, and I I think that's been the knock on him. You know, I I'm writing this story for our second edition of the magazine on McCaffrey. And, uh, you know, we spoke to Jerome Bettis, um, McCaffrey himself, Emmett Smith. You know, I asked a lot of running backs, pre, you know, uh, retired greats and, and current ones. And they all just glow about what McCaffrey does as a player. And I think the one thing that, you know, you go back to is he told us on, on CBS Sports HQ that he's an offensive weapon. And um, that's kind of what he is. You know, he's just not a traditional running back. You know, his, his argument was how many, how many, how many receivers get a thousand yards, you know, and, and for him to do it at that position, I just think you build the offense around him. Uh, he's still young enough and, and talented enough that he's one of those players that uh, at a, at a position that, you know, the, the stars may be, you know, deteriorating a little bit from where they were, but he's still one of the best of the best. He sure is. And he will be the consensus. Number one, if you don't take him number one, you are gutsy. Let's just say that. Well, that well, is in, in, in other formats, you know, two QB super flex. You well, make a case no. for the quarterback. No, 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 certainly. Um, yeah. And, you know, even look, even in non PPR, it's going to be closer. But 100 catches. Saquon Barkley, you know, since the first, I, I broke down his catches since the first eight games of his career. First eight games of his career, he was uh, catch. He was like on 100 and something yard, some, something catch. He was on pace to basically break Matt Forte's record and Christian McCaffrey's record. Um, but, then they had a bye in week nine, and then since then, it's been a year and a half where Barkley's been like a 62-catch running back per 16 games. So that's kind of what I'm expecting. 
and McCaffrey's going to have 40 more catches than him. So it's just that's it's so hard to ignore and is going to put a difference in their auction values for sure. Jamie, thank you. Good stuff, I have man. a question for you. Yeah. So I did a poll um, for our Twitch draft for Tuesday night. Uh, which format we should do? Regular wow. PPR draft, uh, regular half PPR draft, super flex, or 2QB? I voted. I think I voted for half PPR. I I believe PPR. I'm surprised by that. PPR is going to win. Uh, PPR won slightly. Regular PPR draft won slightly. Out of 1,400 votes, 36.4 percent for PPR, 34.7 percent for half PPR, 20.3 percent for superflex, and 8.7 percent for two QB. Now we can combine two of those and do a superflex PPR draft. We could do that. That's fine. Or we could do a P- or Superflex non-PPR draft. Or half PPR draft. Superflex non-PPR draft. No, half PPR. Oh, what do you want to do? I'd like to do a... I think we should I think we should honor the, the poll. Do PPR. Honor the poll, just do a regular PPR draft? Yeah, I guess so. Boring? Yeah, a little boring. We do so many of those. <laughs> uh, no, Superflex, man. Super Superflex PPR. Superflex PPR? Yeah. All right, we'll see. All right, that's Tuesday night. Tuesday morning, you'll have your sleepers episode, so we look forward to that. I want to thank Dave and Heath for jumping on as well. Uh, remember to check us out, youtube.com slash today, twitch.com slash today. The links are in the episode description. I'm Adam Azer for Jamie Eisenberg. Adios. Adios.